and everybody has it back again. Don't take no mess at the rose garden. Jesus, they're on fire. They're what we desire. The men in black can handle it. Other teams can scrapple it. How they win that game today? There's just one thing you can say. How does somebody shoot that three? Believe it, it ain't easy. How did Brian jump so sweet? Believe it, it ain't easy. It's the flying dot that's in your lap. Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I am Sean Hyken, the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions are available. The podcast you can get on Apple, Spotify, everywhere else you get podcasts. We're on YouTube. Even if you don't actually watch it on YouTube, go hit subscribe because that helps me. And we're also part of the Odyssey family too, so uh, you can get it on the Odyssey app. You know, we're we're all over the place. Uh, I for t- t- today's episode, I've got my friend Kirk Henderson, who's the editor in chief of Mavs Moneyball, which is the Dallas Mavericks uh, SB Nation site. With the Blazers about to play the Mavericks twice in a row on Saturday and Sunday, both here in Portland. It's another one of the. It's, you, you, you guys kind of know how this this goes when the Blazers are playing. You know, one of those interesting West teams that are kind of in their same, you know, extended grouping. Like I had Chris Hine on with the Timberwolves uh, a few weeks ago. I've had Adam Mares on to talk about the Nuggets. I've had uh, Gerald Bourget on to cover the Suns. Like it, it, it's another one of those. But the thing that I thought was really interesting about this conversation that I had with Kirk, who's you know a friend of mine and you know, someone I talk to all the time and, you know, has a really good grip on, I think, what's going on with the Mavericks, you know, as as much as anybody does. Uh, The Blazers obviously are not in a great place right now. They've lost five in a row. They lost to Cleveland last night in a game that they played pretty well for 45 of the 48 minutes and then just fell apart late. They're three games below 500 now. They're 11th in the West. And, you know, I see what's going on on social media. I see what's going on on, you know, a lot of different places. People are understandably very anxious right now about, you know, how the rest of the season is going to go. So here's what I think is interesting about this conversation that I just had with Kirk. The Mavericks are fourth in the West right now. And they have an MVP candidate in Luka. And you would think that they are just in great shape like their fans must just be on cloud nine right now because they have you know arguably the best player in the league and they're a top four team and all this stuff I would say probably about 90% of the stuff that Kirk and I talked about on this podcast today that we just recorded is him talking about why he doesn't think the Mavs are for real and all the issues that there are with the roster and with the coach and with the uh you know, the, the front office and ownership and all this other stuff and on, on all these reasons why he isn't buying into, you know, what the team's record is right now. So I think this is pretty instructive to just kind of take a step back and realize that the team that you're a fan of is not in a great place right now, but most other teams are also not in a great place right now. So I think it's kind of an interesting discussion just from that standpoint. You know, then we also get into like some stuff about like what Luca's MVP chances are, you know, some stuff about the Mavs roster, some similarities between like how the Mavs are trying to build around Luca versus like how the Blazers had built around Dame for so many years. And, you know, we, we get it, we get into a lot of that stuff. So it's a pretty fun conversation that we had and I think you guys are going to enjoy it. And again, rosegardenreport.com to subscribe to the newsletter 
Apple, Spotify, YouTube, Odyssey app. Get the podcast there. Let's get to the conversation with Kirk Henderson now. So, Kirk, I wanted to get you on, not just because, you know, obviously the Blazers are playing the Mavs twice back-to-back this weekend on Saturday and Sunday, and I, whenever they're playing another one of the West playoff hopefuls, I like to kind of do a bigger picture, you know, what's going on with this team type of thing. But I also thought it would be kind of instructive to my audience because right now, like as we're recording this, we're recording this on Friday afternoon, uh, the 13th of January, the Blazers just lost to Cleveland last night. They've lost five in a row. They're currently 11th in the West and people are not really happy. You know, I, I, I see my mentions. I see what's going on on social media. Uh, Things are not great right now in the Blazers uh, corner of the internet, if you will. The Mavericks, are fourth in the West. They've won... They just won an overtime game against the uh, Lakers last night. Luka is having an absolutely insane season. He's an MVP candidate. But I've been, you know, reading coverage of the team. I've listened to a couple of recent episodes of your Mavs Moneyball podcast uh, this morning before you and I jumped on. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) It doesn't, you know, they're, it, just on paper, it looks like they're doing pretty well. And just from what I've been reading, nobody's happy. People seem like they're just, like, freaking out about like about stuff just like Blazer fans are when they're losing, when they're winning. So, like, what, what's going on here? Like, t- like, just kind of fill me in. So, right before Christmas, the team played uh, against the Minnesota Timberwolves, another uh-huh. team that's just sort of flailing in the wind. Yeah. Luka yeah, gets we ejected. Had, we, had Chris, we had Chris Hine on earlier to talk about the Timberwolves. Yeah. Luka gets ejected and it puts a stop to this like pretty cool, like 25 point streak that had been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. And the Mavs were under 500. Head coach Jason Kidd, you know, stands there with his hands in his pockets. He gets ejected for the first time. And it's like the vibes were really, really awful. Mm-hmm. And then starting on Christmas Day, they play the Lakers, or they well, they played the Wolves again, beat the Wolves, who were under 500 at the time. Then they they started like a, a six game stretch against all these horrendous teams. They played the Rockets three times, so they went seven in a row. First seven in a row uh, winning streaks since 2011 title season. Um, kind of crazy to think about. Over you know, it's 11 years with some of the teams they had. They never won seven games in a row. You know, teams just get lucky right. sometimes. And yeah. It happens. yeah. But the vibe during that was not great because it required Lucas scoring 50 points or more three times, <laughs> including that incredible 60 point triple double against the Knicks and game to game. It's actually really fun to watch this team, but when talking about the team, it's a little uncomfortable because they're actually really, really bad. Like, like it almost shockingly. So compare for a team that went to the Western conference finals. And part of that has to do with they've been dealing with some injuries. And the other part has to do with the te- the players who are still on the team are all actually quite old and have taken significant steps back. Um, Reggie Bullock being a, a key contributor, for example, just can't hit the broad side of a barn and couldn't stay in front of a chair these days. So they're winning, but they're winning in an uncomfortable fashion. So the Laker game that you just mentioned, if you watch that game live, it felt like a late 90s basketball game. Just a mud fight, awful refereeing, foul after foul. Nobody could hit shots except for like the star players. Just it, it was fun, but it also wasn't fun if you're really into the team. 
Um, and so th there's just kind of this sense, uh, for me at least, and for the people that I cover the team with and for, there's a sense of malaise and wondering if the bottom is going to drop out. Um, there's, it, it's, it's pretty crazy because if you were to guess who the, who is leading the league in minutes, who would you think it is? If you're asking me that about somebody on the Mavericks, I would guess that it would be Luca. But I'm Luca is leading. Oh, he thirty-seven is. and a half minutes. The next closest is Embiid. That it's actually 35. tracks. Though. That tracks yeah. though. I mean, I'll bet I'll bet Dame's up there too. That's the thing. Like Dame, where is Dame? I'll bet he's because because yeah, he's seventeenth at thirty-six. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, this 36. isn't organized by minutes. I'm a moron. Dame is. Yeah, Dame's right up there. I yeah, lost that, him here. He's 17th at 30, just under 36 minutes a game. Yeah, and that's something that Chauncey Phillips has talked about is just he would like to keep Dame's minutes in the low to mid-30s and not in the high to, high 30s to low 40s. It's just that they've had no, you know, they've had they've had so many injuries to their bench that they just haven't been able to keep his minutes as down as they would like them to. I mean, it seems like that's just kind of the, the same thing that Jason Kidd is kind of dealing with with Luca now where That's it's right. like they really and it, it, honestly this is kind of, this kind of reminds me of like some previous Blazers seasons where like the argument right now for the Mavs as contenders and I don't think they're contenders I don't think they're on the on the on the level of like the, right. like the three the, the three teams in the west that I think we can agree are actually good right now are Denver, New Orleans and Memphis. And yes. everybody else is kind of like in this huge jumble below that, you know, Portland's 11th, they're, but they're four games back from fourth. And, and you can they're... make clear arguments against those three teams, like very str sure. against those three teams. Which sure. Is, is, is this, I, I had a discussion last night. Is this what covering the East has been like for 25 years? Like, this is so weird. It kind of is because remember the, the year that, uh, because remember the, the West used to be like, Mm -hmm. Remember, remember the uh, twenty it was the yeah it was the twenty thirteen fourteen season Just where fifty games everybody well yeah because that was the year that like the the year that Phoenix had Dragic and Bledsoe and they won forty eight games and were the ninth seed and then in the East the uh, Hawks won like thirty eight games and they played Indy in the first round and, and that that was what that was like the peak of the just have one through sixteen in the playoffs like discourse being the thing my my point is that like the argument for the Mavs as being a contender in the West is just Luca is so good that it literally doesn't matter what they yep. have around him. Yep. And there have been years in the past where you could look at Portland and say, yeah, the supporting cast is kind of, you know, whatever. There was all these questions about it, but they have Dame. So that's a 45 win team. And then once you get to the playoffs, you take him in a playoff series against anybody else. It's kind of feels like at this point in Luca's career, that's just kind of what they're giving him to work with. Which is crazy. It, it's, yeah. it's crazy because the way the way you can once you have a guy on a rookie contract it is not it is similar to nfl rookie mm. rookie contracts where if you have a super duper star by year three you you usually know and so you have a like a two-year window to sort of get your books in order before the salary explodes and it just becomes more difficult Unfortunately, by trying to avoid the bird rights trap with a bunch of pretty good players that the Mavericks had on the team, they stepped in it anyway, and they let Jalen Brunson walk for nothing because they were worried he was too expensive. And this um, is what they could have offered him. Was, what was it, like four for 55? 
Well, there that was bef- before like the the extension and his right, father right, right. keeps his father keeps saying he was willing to sign it and that strikes me as after the fact PR because right. he was really good last year and he mm-hmm. would have been crazy to sign it. Now the Mavericks could have offered him the max like a 5 year like 150 million dollar deal and they just opted not to. Which if because- you look at the way he's been playing in New York, that wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world to do that. Right. Right, and and so they they let him go for free. Then they have a bunch of guys. Like if you were to go look at their books right now, they're over the cap for a long time, <laughs> to like twenty twenty five with right. the players that they have right now. And so it's just they they have a bunch of really poor um, single. I like a lot of these guys, but they are single skill players. Um, and, and and you know, despite Luca having the ball a lot. Just having someone else that could attack off the dribble right now would be like very, very helpful. Yeah, and I mean the the way that they've tried to build this around Luca is so fascinating to me because, I mean, I think clear, I think pretty clearly like the and I, I I'm sure this is something you probably don't even want to like go back and relitigate or whatever. Well, I but, do it all the time. It's part of my deal. Right, I like for relitigating sure. for sure. But uh, no, it, it it I think the gamble that they took that just didn't pay off in Luca's rookie year was thinking that. Chris Stapps Porzingis was going to be, you know, because, you know, when they traded for him, he was out for the whole year with the ACL that he had against when he was with the Knicks. They thought that that was going to be the second guy and that he would get back to playing the way that he was playing before he had the the ACL. And that just never happened. And that was never a good fit. And he was never the same guy after that. And they ended up just getting off of that deal. and, 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 but that was just kind of like the point where like if that had worked out, if, if Porzingis had been the guy that he was in New York before the injury, then you're talking about something different. But that just never happened. And they've just been kind of trying to pick up the pieces. Ever That's since right. Then. That's right. And there was even something that happened before that. Like the Dallas Mavericks during their entire franchise history have never moved up in the lottery. And in 2018, they fell back to five. Right. So in order to move up to three to draft Luca, they had to send a pick out. Well, and and. There were rumors that they could have taken Kent Bazemore's contract, but uh, Mark Cuban didn't want that. He denies that vigorously, but Mark Stein reported it, so I believe Steiny. <laughs> um, so if you think about it, they moved three draft picks to get Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. Mm-hmm. In the spring of 2019, which is when that trade happened, yeah, you you do that. That's a good trade. I mean, paper. anything that involves you getting Luka Doncic is yeah. a good trade. Like, yeah, because you're you're theoretically you're set for the next however many and, years. And You've it got just your hasn't worked. I, well, that's not fair because they made the Western Conference Finals. It has worked because Luka has made it work in spite of the fact that like the players themselves have all been kind of shuffled in and out. Um, and so it's 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 just a little disappointing. Um, because it's going to be very difficult for them to build anything, at least as far as I can tell. You know, maybe they'll pull a rabbit out of the hat, but they still owe a pick to the the Knicks for that Porzingis trade. Which, if it's uh, if it's outside the the top ten this year, it goes to the Knicks. And so once that happens, it frees up some things. But as we've seen around the league, you know, the the do you want to trade three first round picks for a guy like Dejounte Murray? For it's it just. I don't think so. I, it's just really like it, it's been a, a harsh reminder, and, and obviously Portland fans know this. Team building is really hard. It, it you almost it, you got to be lucky way more than you got to be good. Totally, and honestly, the Mavs making the Western Conference Finals last year is kind of like the Blazers making the Western Conference Finals in 
no. 2019 there's a little bit of i mean it was a little bit of a different thing because with the with the portland one you know you could maybe make the argument that they won that oklahoma city series because paul george was playing on two messed up shoulders but they did beat denver and that yep. you know that was a pretty good that was denver a big team. series with, whereas with the Mavs last year, it was like, and then, you know, then they go up against the Warriors, even without Durant, like that Warriors, that, that Warriors team was just like a buzzsaw. You're not, you're not beating the Warriors in a series. And then last year, I actually going into that Western Conference Finals, and maybe this was stupid, you know, in retrospect, I thought the Mavs were going to win that series. And maybe that was just me overreacting to the way they just destroyed Phoenix the last couple of games of that second round series especially game seven but maybe that was really just more of a phoenix was completely melting down than it was anything about the mavs being that good yeah i mean a little bit of both a little yeah. calm a, a little calm b and mm-hmm. then you know you run into the the warriors last year i think it's hindsight is going to be fun for them because they did not have a great season and they did turn it on like the grizzlies punched them in the mouth and then they became a very good playoff team and just didn't back down for two straight series or three straight series and they won the title so you know it's it's tough to winning the winning a title is tough building a team is really tough and it's it's sort of one of these things where the Mavericks fans are now anxious because you know with the way superstars go these days if they're frustrated they can ask out now Luca is, by all reports, an incredibly loyal guy. He's not really forced anything with the front office to date. He's not leveraged anything whatsoever. I think he was in on the kid hiring, but that's probably it. His mentor, Goran Dragic, didn't get brought on this offseason, despite like very clear indications that that was something that both he and Luca wanted. So, you know, there, there's still some things that he could do, but everybody's a little like mildly antsy because Luca's putting up by the numbers. An incredible statistical season. It's it's just remarkable right. it's what just he's doing. Absolutely insane this year, yeah. So it, it it but you know, does that happen if he has another really good guy on the team? I don't think so. I mean, that's it's it's a it's sort of a catch twenty two. And and I've I, you know, like our friend Matt Moore says that he thinks like this might be Luca's numbers season just to see what he can do. And then maybe he'll like put his foot down and say, Let's let's really try to build something here. But we'll see. I'm not sure. Is there a, so that so you you're what you're saying is that like there is talk even if it's not based on anything there is just like a feeling among whether it be you know the fan base or the local media or whatever that Luca might be looking at the Mavs and being like uh, I don't know we'll see like is this is 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 that something people talk about or is that well, just something that is that something that people talk about because you think there's something there or is it like this or is it like a Dame thing where it's just something that people talk about because that's the only way people know how to talk about stars who haven't won a title yet. It's honestly probably more of the latter. Yeah. But Mark Cuban's involvement with everything front office related and the Mavericks sort of PR machine, which is very good at telling everyone that, oh, this will actually be good for the team. Oh, it will like, they'll be better without Brunson. We'll be fine. That sort of stuff has gone shockingly quiet. Whereas in years past, like you may remember this from, from 10 years ago, they built they did everything they could to make a run at, at Chris Paul and Dwight Howard. I they like they this. destroyed the title team. After Dwight Howard signed somewhere else, or I think no, he opted into his the last year of his magic deal. That's what it was. Cuban actually said we'll be better without him. And they're just masters at that sort of sell job. And everybody understands that Luca is not Dirk. So there's just a little bit of like trepidation of of 
wondering if he's going to be less patient because Dirk never put his foot down. The only thing Dirk ever put his foot down about was insisting that Rajon Rondo come to the Mavericks. And that was a terrible call (laughs) and a a reminder that superstars should probably stick to being superstars, not GMs. So (laughs) that, yeah, I, I, I do remember the going after Chris Paul and Dwight Howard. Uh, Was that, that that, was that the same? No, this was a different off season. That wasn't the same off season that uh, they, Lost out on Darren Williams because Mark Cuban had to go uh, tape an episode of Shark Tank. Was I was think that that's this? right. That 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 strikes me as Which, right. Given how Darren Williams' career went after that, that was probably a little bit of a dodge bullet. But uh, it it is it is just kind of wild to me that like you look at just the last really since the title team and that title team was kind of like you go into the playoffs that year nobody was picking the Mavs to win the title they played the Blazers in the first round that year that was the series where Brandon Roy had kind of that one last vintage Brandon Roy game where you know you know he looked like Brandon Roy before everything kind of fell apart with his with his knees and stuff that was an incredible performance and we knew after the fact that like his knees were basically sandpaper yes and he was just oh my god what a game yeah, but so they win the title that year, and then after the lockout, Cuban lets Tyson Chandler walk, mm-hmm. basically just breaks up that team, and they've just been kind of trying to really since then they've been trying to pick up the pieces yep. up until up until last year when they made the conference finals, they hadn't won a first round series since that title year. Yep, and <laughs> you look at just like all the different things that like like they you know they go after DeAndre Jordan and like the crazy emoji thing happens and. They, you know, they're in the running for even even after like Dwight opts into the uh, the Orlando deal. The next summer, when he's actually a free agent and he leaves and goes to Houston, the Mavs were theoretically in on him then too. And they just they are just kind of you know they're 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 one of these teams that's like always in on a guy and then they never end up. Even even like just like a couple years ago, but before Giannis signed the extension with the Bucks, they were one of the teams that. That's what they had built for. They had they, built for going after Giannis. Them and like the Raptors and the Heat were the three yep. teams that were like, yeah, we're we're going to make a run at Giannis. That's going to be our guy. And like, I guess they thought that like because Luca is also an international guy, that like he would all he would like that Giannis would want to do that. Like, I guess that was sort of the uh, the thought process there. And then that just didn't work out. It's it's just it's really like like why do you think it is that they? are just kind of always in this place of like, oh, we're going to go after this guy. We're going to go after this guy. And then none of them ever end up going there. Um, well, in years past, it was the combination of Donnie Nelson and Mark Cuban. Right. Um, now that Donnie Nelson is retired as well, got fired and is in the wilderness and is suing the Mavericks. I feel kind of safe saying this. Donnie Nelson is an incredibly important historical basketball figure. Like mm-hmm. he was like to the, like, like the sport itself. If you don't know much about Donnie Nelson, he was involved in some of the biggest things to happen in basketball of the last 30 years. You know, the, the other dream team in 1992, he was the, he was one of the coaches. He, he found Dirk. He was really in the forefront of pushing basketball overseas, but as he aged and in the Dallas area here, he really, I think he became far less interested in GMing and a lot more interested in making money. He had all sorts of side fig, uh, side jobs and like they missed on Desmond Bain because they never scouted him. Desmond Bain went to school at TCU. We're talking 30 minutes away and they, they did not scout him. Like that's the sort of things that were happening under Donnie in late season. You pair Donnie and Rick Carlisle and Cuban, and it's a bunch of, of, of three older white guys that simply had not, no, they don't relate to NBA players. 
Like Chandler Parsons was shadow GM for a while. Like Dead's like <laughs> McMahon, Tim McMahon has basically said this. And I remember lot- that big feature that Tim McMahon mm-hmm. wrote about uh about Chandler Parsons when he left to go to Memphis and just like the relationship that he had with Mark Cuban. Yep. Yep. Did you see and that? Did you see that video of Chandler Parsons uh, the other saying day, how he got his deal? Basically talking about how Portland uh, there, there's there's more to that that I don't mm-hmm. think can be shared publicly up from the Portland end, but uh, the but <laughs> but that's sort of why because you get these three guys that don't really have any, you know, Dan like like Dan Fagan Fagan was a big connector within the Mavs organization when he passed away. Like uh-huh. the Mavs had bad relationship with Clutch. Um, he was DeAndre up- Jordan's guy too, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had a like Mark Cuban and Luca's current agent had had a falling out after Steve Nash. Like there were a lot of like just mildly burned bridges that existed. And I think Cuban sort of thought that that the existence of Dirk Cuban being a willing owner and that sort of thing would be an appealing thing. But I wrote an article sev- uh, last summer basically saying less Mark Cuban would be more for the Mavericks for every good thing Mark did, he also did something really, truly awful. Like players have long memories. Like he used Kobe as an example of a bad contract and said that the Lakers should amnesty him just as an example. Players remember that stuff. And so for as much as they might like, you know, um, having, having a drink with him or going on a podcast with him, like he went on the knuckleheads podcast a couple of weeks ago. And those two guys were talking about how cool it was that they had, the Mavericks had PlayStations back in their their lockers in the 2000s. At the end of the day, they want to play for an organization that understands them. And I think that's where the hiring of Nico Harrison and the hiring of Jason Kidd might go somewhere eventually, even though I'm not really big fans of either, because you just got to be able to relate back to these players. I mean, if Cuban is going to be this much of a, of a figure, and he's told me, he came on my show and told me that he's like, I'm not going away, basically then they have to offset some of what having a 60s-year-old billionaire white guy around can do because it's not as cool as he might think it is. We'll get to Jason Kidd in a second because I know that's somebody you have strong feelings about. But I'm curious. I don't know a ton about Nico Harrison beyond just that he was a Nike executive for a long time. And it was was kind of an outside-the-box hire because usually a sneaker executive doesn't get hired to be an NBA GM. And I, I, so I'm curious kind of what you, how you, you know, what you make of him, you know, what you thought of kind of his tenure so far and just the way he approaches uh, that job as kind of a, like, cause you know, you've seen, you've seen some teams, you know, will hire a former agent as a, as a, the top executive. Like sometimes it works out well with Bob Meyer. Sometimes it doesn't really with Palinka, but like, it's kind of an outside the box thing to do. So I'm kind of curious just, you know, what you've seen from his approach so far. Don't have enough tape to really judge him. Uh-huh. Um, Cuban had cut him off at the knees kind of in the opening press conference when he indicated that like he was still going to be very heavily involved. Yeah. Uh, he said he, you know, and, and being a GM itself, knowing the rules, all that stuff is very difficult. They very much indicated that he was going to be a relationships guy. And I just don't know if there's been enough time for that because the Mavericks hadn't had much to work with. I will say they deserve the, the Mavericks as a team, maybe Nico Harrison, or, you know, including Nico Harrison in this. Getting out from under the Chris Stapps Porzingis deal was pretty shocking and in a good way because it obviously spurred them on to the Western Conference Finals. And Spencer um, Dinwiddie, who like you know he's been kind of up and down this year, but he was huge for them in the second half last year. And he's arguably been very important this year. Like he's playing a ton of minutes relative to his career, and he looks functional. That was the thing about Porzingis is he 
simply it, it, a drop big in 2023 doesn't you can't do it you just can't do it and he it was not his fault he just didn't fit and he need, he wanted things on offense so it's like moving on from him was interesting it was so that that it, you know was the big thing then the only other thing they did of note was sign JaVale McGee this summer which was in my opinion the worst signing of the offseason but I'm not sure how much I can hold that on Nico Harrison specifically because anybody that can, you know, kind of put the pieces together would understand that that was a Jason Kidd want. He wanted that he and he, you know, he coached McGee out in Los Angeles. McGee has a great reputation nowadays of being a very good locker room guy, something that wasn't the case right. earlier in his right. career. But the problem with JaVale McGee is that he's not good. So that's where they are right now. How much influence does Kid have over personnel stuff? I mean, I'm I have I am very certain that it was a a package deal for both Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd, with Jason Kidd being the one and saying I'm only coming if Nico's coming with me, kind of thing. That's, so it's a, so it's very much like even though he isn't the one saying, oh, you have to do this, you have to do this. Like the the understanding is that he and Nico Harrison are kind of on the same page about like, yes, what they want. Which I, there can be value in that. Yeah. There really can. That's what I, that's what's going on. I mean, in yeah. in Portland right now, like. One of the reasons that I keep telling fans who are freaking out right now is uh, to be, you know, a little bit patient is because it's a kind of a three-pronged thing where the franchise player, the head coach, and the general manager, from what I can tell and from what I've, you know, I've, I've talked to different people about the dynamic, from what I can tell, the three of them are completely in lockstep and on the same page about stuff. I think there's value in that kind of organizational consistency, but yeah. it's also like, you know, you... Uh, you want to balance that out with, you know, you want to have dissenting voices. You want to have some sort of like, yep. you, know, you, you want to kind of prevent a little bit of groupthink. That, and there's that, a lot that I don't know because right. it's, it's, but it, they've always operated in a particular circle. And I think as Cuban has gotten older, he has gotten more confident in his know of his understanding of, of, of the way this is done. But I don't entirely understand why. <laughs> is, it, is it just because like I've done this for so long? And I, I do, do you think it's that it's, it's that they won the title twelve years ago when nobody really expected them to, and that kind of gave him license to be like, look, I must know more than other people do. Is you think bit. there's some of it to that, or I mean, there, there's also just like he's very passionate about basketball. Yeah, he drives me crazy, but he loves this team. So that and that's where it's like like it, it's probably it, it's sometimes. I, I frustrate fans when I make this criticism. It's just like, in order to be in business, you you cannot, you have to have some dispassion. You, you cannot be so emotionally attached that you're blinded by things. And I think that has, that has been an issue at some points. So. Well, I mean, the, the, the real, I think a lot of the reputation that Mark Cuban has among a lot of people, I mean, obviously you, you, as you've laid out here and you've laid out plenty of other places, you have your, criticisms of him other people have their criticisms of him i think that the you know the way he developed the reputation that he has this was kind of true of paul allen way back in the day when he bought like because when paul allen bought the blazers in the late 80s he was one of the first if not the first owner to put his team on a private jet or on a charter plane and not have them fly commercial and that and like he'd invested a lot in like player amenities and that was one of the big things that cuban did when he first bought the Mavs in the early 2000s was we're going to have state of the art, like the thing you were mentioning earlier about, you know, guys having playstations in the locker rooms. And like, he was one of the first owners to really put money into that side of it. And, and like the kind of the off course stuff, but like now you're at the point where 
every team does that. Every team has a, just about every team has a state-of-the-art practice facility. Every team flies yep. charter. Every team does a lot of that kind of off-court player amenity stuff. So, like, if that was your main competitive advantage was you're putting money into all that stuff to make this a place where people want to work, like, once that isn't, like, a competitive advantage that you have over everybody else anymore, then it's like, what else are you bringing to the table? That's right. That's right. And And I'll be you know, kind of eternally grateful as a fan of the team when I was in high school, you know, for that sort of thing. Because the Mavericks, it's kind of hard to contextualize to anybody that that didn't really follow the NBA. They were a joke and before Cuban. They were one of the worst sports franchises of the 90s. It was yes. like them and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was, it was bad, bad. Bad, bad. Yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's get into Jason Kidd a little bit. Because sure. I know that's somebody that you have a lot of strong opinions about, as do a lot of other people and the way that it seems to go at every one of his stops. I mean, you saw this in Milwaukee also the first year, the defense is great. And it, you know, it, it just completely shakes. He just completely shakes up, you know, what their defensive philosophy is and what the scheme is and all of this. And then after like the second, you know, starting with year two, it just kind of starts to, you know, he starts to rub some guys the wrong way. They get, he has players he likes and doesn't like, it seems like he already hates Christian Wood, which, uh, so yes. that's funny that you say that. There was a quote floating around this morning. See if I can find it here because we're recording here on Friday the 13th at about 2.30 in the afternoon central time. But there was a quote this morning that, that apparently happened last night. I didn't see it, though, where he was asked about his relationship with Jason Kidd. And he mentioned, Christian Wood mentioned how it's actually grown and changed a lot, how him and Kidd did not speak very much early on. Okay. And now they're communicating a lot more, which is, to me absolutely freaking hilarious and not a great look because it speaks to like what Marin Fader said in her book, you know, to a degree about how kid basically didn't like he ignored certain players who, yeah. who he wasn't happy with. And we've heard that from other people. Too. Mm -hmm. and, and it's just, it's interesting to me. I mean, my feeling, my feeling on kid is very challenging because the results have to matter, but I, I have a hard time separating the results from Luka Doncic. I yeah. just, and, and, you know, I also have a hard time being super duper critical of him in that the roster is so limited and he didn't build this roster outside of, of JaVale McGee. That's, but he that's does on. have input you as you, he as does you have input, but they came into such like, like it was such a cupboard, like bare cupboard. Um, and so it's, it's just one of those things that, that I, I waffle on because his, his, when he talks to the media, it's extremely irritated. You know, he doesn't really answer questions. He is passive aggressive. And one of the writers, he does a, the, the thing I like, just I, the thing I love about, about, uh, I use love kind of sarcastically, but uh, the, the thing Jason Kidd really likes to do is just mumble. Like mm -hmm. just, he, he talks as quietly as possible, like on purpose to make it difficult for us to hear what he's saying. Well, one of, one of my contributors at Mavs Moneyball, a guy named Matthew Phillips has the idea that Jason Kidd almost starts off the season not playing his best lineups on purpose to see what he can build and for two seasons in a row there's some credence to that because the Mavericks for two seasons in a row played 500 basketball and then started playing better now he was extremely dismissive of playing Christian Wood and Luka Doncic together extremely dismissive it made me question whether he and his coaching staff understand how on off numbers work and lineup data works <laughs> because it was just like every time they play together they would have like a 130 offensive rating and it was just and they just refused to do it and injuries sort of forced his hand 
and now they've played together and you know um shout out to christian wood's agent who uh, messaged me this this morning they're 10 and 5 over their last 15 and wood and luca re- look really good on offense together and it's like it shouldn't have and kid was like openly dismissive of Mavs social media. Like so weird. Like mentioning fans drives me crazy when organizations do that. The fans are the ones that give you money. Don't deride them. And he's like, well, there's a lot of Twitter coaches out there. We expect me to play these two guys together. And it's like, yeah, it, the Mavs don't have a lot of talent. Playing your two good guys together is not, you know, rocket science here. And so they've, they've done that a little bit, but it's it, even that lineup still has a lot of deficiencies and it's, it's just difficult for me to really judge kid. I, I will say Jason Gallagher, a uh, mutual friend of ours. Yeah. Um, he, he produces old man in the three for uh JJ Reddick came on my live show the other night. He went to Oklahoma city thunder Mavs game and heard Jason kid yell out from the bench. Just do something at one point during a 24 second. Like, <laughs> and it's like, bro you're the coach tell them what to do and and that sort of stuff i've heard that like a lot like tim cato of the athletic did an interview where with all the coaching staff and like all the players were like well kid doesn't run practice and like i just exist in this place where i've gotten to the point of asking well what does he do here like you watch him watch him in these games sean and anybody that listens to this he will have his hands in his pockets and it looks like he's not doing anything now I, I I actually sat close enough to hear him. Like he he keeps the same expression. He actually speaks very loudly and berates coach, but he doesn't really use his face. Right, and so it's he does more than I think he does. But it's just like what is going on? He's just an interesting guy. Like I, I can't help like like Mirren Fader's book again. Just so might have poisoned the well for me because I just don't know how I can get past some of the things that happen in Milwaukee and make me worried if they're going to happen with uh with the Mavericks <laughs> so let's let's talk about this roster a little bit outside of like like outside of Luca like Luca is you know maybe the best player in the league if not like you know top three top five wherever you want to put it like Luca is Luca but be outside of Luca like who are you looking at on this roster and being like this is a guy that I want to keep this is a guy that I want to keep around Luca and build with not a single a, person not one not one okay not so one. so who's closest there's an argument to be made for Wood because Wood is a, he's basically a six foot 11 small forward who can do a lot of stuff. Um, But defensively, he's a mess. There's an argument for Dorian Finney-Smith, who I love to pieces, but the Mavericks might have just run him into the ground. Uh, And then everybody else is old. Like, go, this is one of the oldest teams in the league. And the Mavs let this happen, and they don't really have a lot of means of replacing it. I mean, if you were to go back to the, the Dirk Nowitzki years, they shuffled people in and out every three or four years. And the, Dwight Powell, second round pick by the Boston Celtics, came over in the Rajon Rondo trade. Dwight Powell is going to finish the season in top 10 in Mavericks games played all time. Hold on a second. Has has Dwight Powell actually been? Because I feels to me, maybe this is just like me getting my timelines confused because obviously he was in Boston before. I know he was in Phoenix for a minute. No, no, he was just in Boston. Just Boston. And then Why they did traded... I think... Why did I think he was in Phoenix? No, I that, no, no, no. I'm thinking of think, Jay Crowder. No, I'm thinking of Brandon Wright. Oh yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Another. That's another Luper. guy. Who, That's a good. No, I understand that one. Yeah. Yeah. So Dwight Powell has actually just been in because he feels he feels like he's one of those guys who like feel you know you, you know what it's like. So the Blazers last before last season signed uh, one of their handful of actual free agent acquisitions, which Neil Olshay said was the deepest team that they ever put around Dame. Uh, was Cody Zeller. Yep. And when you think about Cody Zeller, maybe it's just because his brother played for a bunch of different teams. But 
you think of Cody Zeller as like, oh, this is a journeyman. This is a guy who's played for like five different teams. Nope, he was actually in Charlotte for his entire career before he signed that deal with Portland. So, so like, like Dwight Powell is, an, is a kind of a similar guy where like it feels like Dwight Powell is like bouncing around different teams, but like no, he's actually yeah. just been in Dallas the and whole he, time. And, and and that's an incredible thing to think about where it's just like he's gonna. It's so you know I know there's a lot of player movement, so it's just like this stuff actually gets more common than you think, and especially it, when it's like a rope. Like obviously with Dame, it's like this whole like everybody kind of makes a big deal of like he is the superstar that is loyal that is staying right. his whole career with one team. It's the only way that you know national media outlets know how to write about Dame, or, or the only thing that they know how to talk to him about. Right. But when it, when it's a star, like it's a thing people talk about. When but when it's like a seventh, eighth, ninth man, like a Dwight Powell or a Cody Zeller or whatever. It's even more remarkable when a guy just stays with one. Like, I was just, like, the the Rockets were here at the beginning of the season. And I was just, like, looking at their starting lineup. And I was like, how is Eric Gordon still here? How has he not been traded or bought out or gone to a contender or what? How Like, it's, it's always so funny when these guys that aren't stars just stick with one team for a while. So, there is a second-round rookie, Jaden Hardy, yeah. who is also on the roster, who Mavs fans love because teams love rookies oh yeah oh yeah oh. <laughs> um he doesn't he, he doesn't have quite the the anti-gravity boots as, as shade and sharp but they're <laughs> uh, watching sharp play it's just like oh he just pressed the levitation button it's, did it's you see awesome. that did you see that mac mcclung is going to be in the dunk contest so with painful. him and with him and uh, uh Kenyon martin Jr. so painful so painful <laughs> but the the and and hardy is an interesting player I don't put much stock into him right now. I just can't because he's a six three shooting guard, and I'm not. I'm not particularly interested in that player archetype, is what I'll say. So uh, I'll get killed for that by Mavs fans because he's young and he's fun and he tries real hard. But it's just that that's where I am right now. The thing that a lot of fans don't understand about the rookie thing, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even saying this. Like I know you were just talking about, like why is Jason Kidd being dismissive of fans? I'm not even saying this in that way. But I think the thing a lot of people don't understand is when you're a team that's trying to win. Like you have Luca, you're trying to win. You know, you're trying to make the playoffs, go deep in the playoffs. You can't really afford. This is something that you know some Blazer fans are frustrated with. Like, why isn't Shaden Sharp getting more minutes? Why isn't Jabari Walker getting more minutes? He, he just started getting in the rotation yep. recently. When you're a coach, and this also goes back to like why Dame has been playing so many minutes and why Luca has been playing so many minutes. When you're a coach and you're not in a rebuilding situation where the whole point of the season is just to play your young guys and develop them and not worry about wins and losses. When you're like the Mavericks who are trying to contend for a title and you know you're or you're the Blazers who necessarily don't see themselves as title contenders but Chauncey Billups said last night when he was asked what the goal is for the season he said we want to make the playoffs and be dangerous in the playoffs that's what he said when that's your goal and that's your mindset you can't really afford to just throw a young guy who's never been done it before out there and let him develop and play through mistakes because you can't afford to just lose games for the sake of development. That's, I think, the thing a lot of people don't understand is that when you're a coach and that's your mindset, you're always going to go with your vets and the guys that you know are going to perform. Yeah. No, that's absolutely the case. And it's very frustrating for some people, but that's also just just sort of the nature of of what, uh, you know, player development is like these days. And, and, so, you know, the, the outlier rookies that affect winning make you 
will convince right. you know average fans oh this guy can do that and it's just it's not the case there's like one or two guys a year like it was it was evan mobley and scotty barnes last year yeah it's, and it's, it's like happened to scotty barnes and it has happened to scotty barnes in year two yeah aggression is just not a linear path i know it's this this year it's this year i just i just the other night that magic were here and i saw paolo i'm like oh my god paolo's so good yeah like there's every year there's one or two like Luca was like uh, Luca and Dame were both guys were like immediately like their rookie year you're like okay this guy's a ten time All Star like there's right. there, there's like you know John Morant was like this also his rookie year like there's every year there's like maybe one or two guys that you are like okay this guy's already a winning player this guy's already somebody who can be the best player on a playoff team that's right it's so rare that that and like that's certainly not going to happen with like a you know a Jaden Hardy or a Shaden Sharp whatever their upside may be in a couple of years right. Do you think Luca's going to end up actually winning MVP? Great question. I have always said since the start of the year that I would tie a Luca MVP bet to a Mavs wins total bet. Mm-hmm. And our, I mentioned Matt Moore earlier who does gambling stuff, and he still thinks the Mavericks are underperforming, which I just don't see that. <laughs> and he thinks they could win 48 games. I also don't see that. The West is such a mess right now, and I suppose it's possible. I think. What if, are they if, at right now? Fifth, maybe fourth. They they they're fourth, but like what, what what's the number that they have? Twenty four they... wins. So they're right. So they're halfway there. They're halfway there, and I just it strikes me as as if they're a top three seed in the West, there will be a strong push for that. I think that he will understandably almost agree. I I tend to agree with this actually. I think there will be a strong pushback from voters against rewarding a very good player on a non top three team, like they're the. That that's sort of how I feel. Where the the Jokic discourse is always borderline toxic because there's just a lot of people that don't watch him, uh, and and this Luca's a little different. Luca's very popular. I think Luca draws many more eyeballs. But I think if if he's not able to impact winning in a way to where you can say, okay, he's on he's on one of the best teams in the conference. I think that just impacts it just enough. And then you have Giannis hanging out there. Joel Embiid is 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 actually like I can't stand Joel Embiid personally, but he's, <laughs> but he's having an MVP season. Yeah, he he's having the season that 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 his, his agent has said he's had been having. He's just unbelievable. And so, I, I if I'm a voter and I'm impartial, that's what I I lean towards at some point is saying okay, like this. You know, this guy's on a on a top two team in the Eastern Conference, whatever it is, and and lean into that. I does it feel to you like the Jokic discourse has gotten a little bit better this year or a little bit but then you go back and it it, what it what it ends up doing and I see this in my friend chats all the time is then we have to have a discussion about how maybe he shouldn't have won last year (laughs) I would I I I see I, I will just say I understand it if I don't agree I do think it's better to where he is like recognized and it's, it's really brought a lot of people around to how good he actually is. I'm just glad that we've stopped only ever talking about Nikola. Like, if people are going to praise Nikola Jokic, the only way that they've been doing it for a while is nobody is giving Nikola Jokic his flowers. Why is nobody giving him his sure. flowers? Why is nobody recognizing him when he was like, ni- got like 90 out of a hundred. He's getting his, he's getting yeah. his, I'm, I'm glad we've moved past that to now. Like that's true. I feel like even though nobody has won three MVPs in a row since Larry Bird in the eighties, I feel like people wouldn't be mad if Jokic won MVP this year. Like obviously like, like fans of like fans of the teams of the guys that, uh, 
right. that didn't win it. Like, like I think Mavs fans will be mad if Luka doesn't win it. Sixers fans will be mad if MB doesn't win it. But, like, I think, like, just, like, on a national level, I don't think if Jokic wins it, there will be the kind of backlash that there was maybe to him winning it last year. I think I think that that would that would probably be the case because if you're a top three, if you're like a number one team in the conference, yeah, and you're putting up better numbers than in your previous two seasons, what's the argument against it? Yeah, I mean, I still think the best player in the NBA is Giannis, and if you tell me like you have one player to win a playoff series, I'm at this point like just for one playoff series, like for for right now, sure. I'm still going with Giannis. But Jokic, I mean, Jokic is right up there. I think Durant kind of for the MVP thing i think because he's about to miss a month i think he probably took himself out there just because of the which is disappointing because it does suck because he's been incredible this year man that yeah that's where i he he would have been kind of my like dark horse pick because of just how much of a mess the nets are (laughs) yeah and now and now he's out for a month a long time yeah, it's just disappointing. That, that's 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 too bad. Well, so what what do you? Th- I don't like to do too much game preview stuff because it has no shelf life. But yeah. what, like, what do you think happens this weekend? Uh, I think it's a split. Yeah. Um, with Luca playing fifty three minutes on on Thursday night, so first night of a three and four night stretch for the Mavericks. You think I he think, plays both? I, I don't. I oh, think wow. they sit him because I think they're they're going to be worried. Now I hope they don't because I think Luca has. I think Luca. There's two teams who Luca really has the number for, and one of those is Memphis, and one of those is I think Portland. I because our, our our buddy Dan Morang was giving me grief after the first Mavs Portland game where he said, "Oh, we got Winslow. Winslow's going to stop Luca." And it's like, <laughs> come on, well, come you know on. who's not playing tomorrow? Justice Winslow. And that first game was a really fun contest. Like I think that the Mavericks don't have any defenders right now. So this is going to be a, because if, unless Josh green, who has been out for a long time and Dorian Finney Smith somehow come back, which they might kids said they might, um, uh, this is going to be a track meet basketball game. I wonder if they're going to stick GP two on Luca. Uh, I think they might. And, and, you know, he did okay against Luca against golden state. But Golden State has such connective tissue on defense that it's sort of hard to wear. Like, I know he's, I know Gary Payton's obviously a great defender. I, mm-hmm. I, I wanted him for the Mavericks before they went out and signed him, and, or for the Blazers went out and then signed him. And it's just, I'm going to be curious to see because what Luca's done this year in terms of bully ball revival mm-hmm. is just shocking. I mean, the things he does to certain players is just mean. The the um, Celtics beat the pants off the Mavericks about a week and a half ago, but he put Al Hortford, one of the best defensive centers of the last 15 years, in a blender and shoved him out of the way on a post-up with his off arm. Like, I've never seen Big Al move by anybody like that other than Embiid. And it was just... It's just something else to watch him play. And it's really a matter of, does he have the focus? Does he have the energy? He looks like he doesn't look great physically right now. Like he looks kind of worn. So I'll be, I'm just, I'm curious. It feels like a bit of a race to get to um, the all-star break. I actually have a prediction about the I I agree with you. I think they're going to sit Luca one of the two games. I think it's going to be a split. I think the game that Luca plays is going to be the game that Portland wins, and the game that Luca doesn't play is the game that Dallas wins. Just, just because of that's how stupid the Blazers are right now. I, I, I actually I understand that, but the Mavericks are zero and four without Luca now, and uh-huh. when I they have looked like the worst, they've looked like the Charlotte Bobcat seven win team when they don't have Luca. <laughs> it is horrendous because they don't have a true point guard. 
Yeah, and that's why you don't let Jalen Brunson walk. That's right. That's probably a good place to wrap it up. I just I thought this was really interesting just because uh, I'm trying to tell Blazer fans who are freaking out about the way that the last few weeks have gone for the team right now that nobody else in the West is really feeling great about where they are either. And you've just given, like, I think we've spent, like, 90% like ninety of what I've had you talk about like, with the Mavs has been negative right now. And the Mavs are fourth in the West, and they have an MVP candidate, and they are, like, looking like they're in pretty good shape. But you're just giving me all these reasons why maybe they're not actually in good shape. So I think it's good. I think it's instructive to everybody to kind of feel like, everybody's team is going through stuff and there's not that many teams that can really just say, Oh no, we're fine. We're, we're great. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're a contender. We don't have anything to worry about. What you want to be able to do is break the season down into certain storylines uh-huh. as, as a, and, and if there's, if they're facing a little bit of, of trouble right now, the way I always say is you'd rather do it now than you'd rather do it later. I got to witness one of the most epic playoff collapses in NBA history, Dallas Mavericks 2007. They won 67 games that year. They went on a 52-4 and four stretch during that game. Can you imagine 52 wins, four losses? Then they get to the end of the year, and they, they things just stop working because it's a long season. They entered the playoffs against the Golden State Warriors and ran into a buzzsaw. And I will just never forget that because it's always better to play late than it is or play good late than play good early. You figure out your problems now, not later. And that's all you can hope for. That's kind of what Dame has been preaching after the last couple of games. He's been he, that, that's really what he's been. You bring up the, the we believe stuff. I know that's probably like a traumatic thing for you to talk about but i i haven't been to chase yet i don't know if it's up there but i used to go to games at oracle i I covered the first two Cavs warriors finals and uh they have framed behind glass the hole that dirk punched in the wall like the piece of drywall i remember that that's right and they have like a we believe shirt i think like because because dirk is such a good guy and he has such a sense of humor about it he like autographed the piece of plexiglass that they put over the piece of the wall that right. he punched that dirk statue is awesome by the way i think they just did an incredible like one thing one thing you'll one thing you'll say about cube and i know you know you have your criticism he's done that, he's done that stuff all he right. does he does the you know honoring franchise legends and you know retiring dirk's number and doing the like he does all that stuff the right way yep so that's, that's exactly right that's 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 that was I thought that was cool the statue that they put up with Dirk on uh, Christmas Kirk thanks a lot for doing this man tell Absolutely. everybody kind of where they can check your stuff out because Kirk does a great job covering the Mavs the whole Mavs Moneyball team does yeah we got about 20 folks that contribute you know now and then at Mavs Moneyball which is nice because the season's just so long we got a lot of different stuff uh, we probably put up four to five things a day different not gonna lie to everybody different quality uh you'll okay for for every uh 1500 word uh, uh analytical breakdown you will absolutely have me uh, uh gun in seo and looking at uh, hey luka Doncic is fifth in the all-star ballot returns um <laughs> because right. that's the game uh then on um uh, we also have podcast feed maz moneyball if you want to listen afterwards we do a recap show and then i also run a show on spotify live that i then post to the podcast feed um that's just you know just kind of doing what you and i are doing just talking hoops it's it's fun. Basketball is fun. Um, I enjoy it. So yeah. thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Thanks, man. Mm-hmm.